4: my mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer! Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be able to make friends. I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you, so call me at one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This is a huge week for corporate earnings. But lurking under everything is the Labor Department's non-farm payroll report on Friday. If it shows some job growth with no wage inflation, then the fabulous July rally can stand. But if it shows booming hiring with exceptionally large wage increases, then some of this rally, if not much of it, is going to be repealed. Maybe that's why the averages did go nowhere today. Dow dipping 47 points, SB declining 0.28%, Nasdaq edging down 0.18%, but the Dow was down a lot more at one point. So, with that in mind, let's cut there. Let's go to the game plan. Uh, Of course, we're starting on Friday because of the non farm labor report. A hot number, like I said, is just a disaster because the Fed may have to slam the brakes on the economy. Even hitting us with an interim rate hike, my biggest fear an intra-meeting rate hike in August because they don't meet in August. But a number that shows even a hint of weakness gives the Fed an excuse to sit on its hands, which is what we want. Why? Buy buy buy, 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 But first, let's get through the cacophony of earnings. We're starting with Caterpillar tomorrow, which happens to be on Squawk on the street. This stock's been red hot lately, so we'll listen closely to what is going to be said because we have Jim Umpleby, the CEO It is a rare appearance for him. I think this is a new cat, stronger than ever. But that's what the times demand. Is I'm up to it? I think he is. Now, we're also going to hear from another challenge company, Uber, which gets more attention than it should. But people are going out more than ever. I think this company will always struggle to make money until we get real self-driving cars. But everybody's interested in Uber. You're interested in Uber. And then there's one that only I'm interested in, unless you're at a bar. And I think you should think about it. I'm talking about Molson Coors. This is my favorite alcohol stock after Constellation Brands, which is Corona and Metello. Molson Coors has a real turnaround going on, as you'll see tomorrow. I think that this is an exciting stock that can go up over time. After the close, we find out how AMD is doing. I think the answer is pretty darn well, considering that archrival Intel seems to have missed an entire product cycle. For high performance computing. Wall Street's worried about AMD's gaming and PC exposure. Both are negative, but they could be offset by the recent Xilinx acquisition, which got aerospace, a lot of inter info- a lot of things that I would just some defense, Internet of Things. I'm betting AMD's gonna have a strong number. Now, get this. Howard Schultz is back and at the temporary helm of Starbucks. I don't know how quickly Howard can work his magic, but I want to bet with him, not against him, because it's always been right to bet with him. We'll see how much progress has been made when they report tomorrow night. I'm actually expecting good numbers. Next, we know people are traveling, but where are they, ha- where are they staying? Oh, boy, this is just the clash of traditional versus 21st century. In the morning, Marriott reports, then after the close, Airbnb weighs it. I bet both are doing well. But here's what's most important. Can Airbnb turn its huge cash flow into actual earnings? If it doesn't, the stock can't go up. Hey, what does Warren Buffett see with his endless purchases of oxygen petroleum, Oxy? Judging by the heinous action of the oil stocks today, one of the worst I've ever seen, it better be something very long-term. But Oxy should nevertheless do a good number tomorrow evening just because of the price of oil. Meanwhile, one of the most enduring themes of the COVID era was addiction to video games. Electronic Arts reports Tuesday night, and I bet they do well, but it might not matter because gaming is now out of style on the Wall Street fashion show more than I have ever seen it. JetBlue tells us how it's doing too, and they'll likely try to explain why their attempt to to acquire Spirit Airlines isn't really (laughs) anti-competitive. I admire the chutzpah, but I'm pretty confident the Justice Department will try to block it. I just don't see this one happening. JetBlue refuses to stop, though, and they will appeal any attempt by Justice to derail the deal. deal, I know they'll try to solve the antitrust issue by trading Gates to some other company, but that's not going to be enough with Biden's antitrust division. One more in this long day, PayPal. Now, this one's been such a poor performer that it's attracted the attention of Elliott Management, the massive activist hedge fund that's very good at pushing executives around. If PayPal misses again, this is Elliott's ball ballgame, not unlike what we saw with Pinterest tonight. Hey, can you imagine those two really getting together? I know it was talked about at one time. On Wednesday, all right, here we go. We, more names. It, yeah, this is what's so cool about this week. We all know PayPal, Airbnb, we stayed, Starbucks, SmallScore, these are all well-known names. That's what makes it so I love this business so much. These are all names you know, including CBS Health. And I expect a really good number. But what I, I got to have them address this. They got to address the theft thing. Going to a drugstore is so horrendous these days with all that merchandise under lock and key because of rampant stealing that I now get my toothpaste and shaving cream from Amazon. It is faster than ringing that bell. You know, I need help. I need help. What the heck is that? All right. Now, what? Humor me. Next, Moderna. What will they do with all that vaccine money? It's a big question. They're now truly loaded, but people don't like it if it's just a vaccine. They want something else besides a COVID vaccine. I wish they'd buy some down-and-out biotechs with good pipelines and merge them all together. That would make them into a major. Also in the morning, we hear from another one that everybody knows, Young Brands. And I bet they can put up big numbers. Uh, Not unlike what we saw from Chipotle and McDonald's, I like KFC. The stores, but also the food. I think it's really good. It's a little greasy, but I like it. Taco Bell is okay. Uh, Pizza Hut's been disappointing. I think this group is showing real strength, which confuses the myriad bears of the world who love to bet against the restaurants. I think they're wrong. These are strong companies that have taken a lot of market share from the p- poor mom and pops who didn't make it through COVID. Hey, here's one kind of a Shakespearean question. When will the turmoil at Under Armour end? Kevin Plank, the founder's back. Well, he can't stay away, can he? After the CEO has let go in May, I love the term let go. But this stock remains unloved as a potential uh, turnaround play. Any good news would move it higher from its $9 perch. But I can't think of any good news. Tough time for apparel. After the close, Clorox reports. Now, so this stock looks like it's putting in a serious bottom here. Clorox could be ready to roar because its price increases seem to be sticking. Right as raw costs are coming down, can you imagine? You're, this is exactly what you want. This is Nirvana. It's happened to, it happened to General Mills. It happened to Kellogg. Uh, it, it's, it, your raw costs go down, but you raise your prices, and then you don't cut your prices, right? Isn't that what happens? Clorox could be there. Test case. Hershey and General Mose are really the nodules nodule leaders in packaged foods. But th- maybe Clorox's time has come. Thursday, we are going to find out how great Lily really is with that drug that reduces weight and also is, uh, helps you with diabetes. I hear I hear, it's crushing the numbers. Crushing Now, there was a time when the stock traded on Alzheimer's data, but they've become very tight-lipped about that story, no matter how many times I badger them, and I badger them endlessly. I think the weight loss drug is enough for Lily to shine. It is a gigantic position by Chapel Trust, and we're going to be offering wall-to-wall coverage for the CNBC Investing Club. Don't forget, we have our monthly meeting, which is always fun. Always a lot of self-flagellation, because that's just who I am, a complete masochist. Now, I want to see the reaction to Conoco's numbers, too. Um, because, well, obviously, Devon, which is a huge position for, uh, for the Chapel trust, had an amazing quarter today. Huge boost, to the already enormous dividend, and nobody cared because oil was down nearly 5%. Matter of fact, the stock finished lower. I think food can bounce back a bit, but the weak industrial numbers in China and Europe are really starting to hurt the fossil fuel complex. By the way, oil's decline today caused interest rates to plummet, a sign that the general economy is in retreat, even though I'm the only one who believes that. What else? Americans keep buying Chinese stocks no matter what. No matter what the Chinese do, we can't stop ourselves. And the best example is Alibaba. I don't trust any of these stocks, but I know from Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, by the way, that 618, that big Chinese consumption holiday, was gigantic for them. If I could trust China's government, I'd love to recommend Alibaba to you, but I'd rather pass on what could be a very good quarter. China's a communist party. It's called a risk factor. After the close, in one of the a deal that's so filled with hubris, it's frightening. Warner Brothers Discovery reports, and it'll be anxiously watched given its gigantic debt load. Will Warner sell an asset to lighten the burden? Are the shutdowns coming? Or do they just intend to muddle through? I think they're going to try to do the latter. We'll also see how richly valued stocks are doing when Twilio reports. Now, the last few times it's reported, sellers just jumped all over. As a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of a pathetic thing that they hate this thing so much. Good company. The stock has been crushed like the rest of the cloud software cohort. If Twilio can bounce, that will be the signal that the bear market in cloud computing, which has seemed to go on now for eight months, is ending. But right now, the house of pain is where Twilio lives, and so do you if you're a shareholder. Hey, speaking of tough ones, can DoorDash pull itself out of that tailspin that's brought the stock down more than 70% from its highs, which is a lot? I don't know. Is the competition still heating up? But I think DoorDash's $28 billion valuation I'm calling it too high to justify. Friday, Goodyear reports, and it's got a valuations too low to justify. Now, the last quarter was widely panned. The stock's been cut in half. I think it seems interesting. Um, as does DraftKings go into football season. Massachusetts just legalized gambling. To be successful, though, DraftKings pretty much needs every state to follow in their footsteps. And they have to have a lot of groups get together and bet against each other, which they've not done. Now, finally, I put this in, I don't know, for the—, uh, the, the cannabis aficionados, basically, uh, Canopy Growth. It's a cannabis company that's majority owned by Constellation Brands, STZ, which I mentioned earlier. I like more than Molson Coors. Um, now, Canopy has been about as disappointing as the stock has ever been, even though everyone tells me that it's a lot of fun to be involved with their product. I would not know. Now, it's time to see how, you know, how money can be made, because they have this woman named Judy Hong, who used to be a powerhouse at Goldman Sachs. She's now the CFO. I don't know if anything good can happen here, but if they just stop the bleeding, you might have some upside. And if they could just figure out how to have the proof when you have one of those, uh, you know, let's say a can of cannabis like beer or something. We just can't figure out what the proof should be. And that's the police are very upset about that because they don't know whether how to say whether you're drunk or not. Anyway, here's the bottom line. That's actually a true story. Can you believe it? The bottom line, no matter what, it's the employment number coming out at 830 a.m. Friday that matters. Everything else pales in comparison, including the pale ale of Molson Coors. Couldn't resist. The inflation picture is the whole ball game. I want to take questions. I say we take questions. Nicholas in Illinois. Nicholas.
2: Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for taking my call tonight.
4: I've been uh, my pleasure. How are you,
2: Nicholas? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, actually, Good. today is the first day of my retirement.
4: Oh, so, hey, hopefully- you know... How can I help you make money in
2: retirement? Let's go to work. So, I've been watching your show for a little more than 10, 10 years now, and I would like to thank you and all you, and all you do for you and your team for, for us out here. My question oh, to you, you is, with a P of 3.5 and, and down a little more to 50% from recent highs, Macy's is now going to have Toys R Us in all of their stores. What would be your thoughts if I was to get in now and maybe hold on to it for, well, six months or a year? Well, I
4: have to tell you, I think that forget the Toys R Us because that's a lousy company. It would be lousy outside of Macy's, lousy inside of Macy's. I will tell you that I think the idea that this stock sells at, at this multiple is true part and parcel of the bear market and all the apparel they have. It's almost as if they feel like they have to take a write down. I would say that Jeff Gannett is worth investing in at $17. So I'm giving you the high sign, and congratulations on retiring, which will probably never happen to me as it never happened to my dad. All right, anyway, no matter what, it's the employment number that's coming out Friday that matters, everything else pales in comparison. I the Chips and Science Act, you might know it as like the semiconductor thing, is on its way to the president's desk to be signed into law. And I'm learning more about the highly anticipated legislation with none other than the Commerce Secretary, Jim Raimondo. Boy, what a hero for the tomorrow. Then from rising commodity costs, supply chain concerns, Agco continues to face a host of headwinds. But right after putting an earnings beat for the second quarter, I'm learning more about what drove the strength of the company's top brass, including a hacking that they didn't pay. Yes. Then travels back to the bigger than ever, bigger than ever. So how are the rental car companies working to meet customer demand? And how are they making so much darn money? I'm talking to the former CFO of Goldman Sachs, now CEO of Hertz. So stay
2: with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
4: Turns out Washington can still get things done when it needs to. Congress finally passed the CHIPS Act, which provides immense federal funding to bolster domestic semiconductor manufacturing. For this, we have the hard work of the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, who has been behind this thing from day one. Earlier today, we talked to the Secretary about our amazing effort that I think will be like a Sputnik moment, where, like in the 60s, when we fell behind the Soviets in technology, we powered right back through a government business partnership that ended with us far ahead of our adversary. Take a look. Madam Secretary, congratulations I cannot believe this got done And I have to tell you, I know it was a team But you were indefatigable Congratulations, how did you get it?
6: Thank you, Jim Uh, It was a team, huge team effort But, you know, we just didn't give up We just said there were so many ups and downs The Mitch McConnell tweet Saying that Republicans couldn't go for it Many ups and downs, but we said we're not giving up. You know, we're just going to get it done, and eventually we did. And huge thank you to Schumer and Pelosi. Obviously, the president—it was his leadership that made it happen. But you know, it's a very big deal for the country. Uh, Shores up our national security, allows us to create jobs. Mostly, Jim, I would stay awake wondering. You know, right now you say to yourself, "How could Germany allow themselves?" to be so dependent on Russia for their oil. Well, that would have been us, right? Five years from now, if China said Taiwan couldn't send the U.S. chips, we would have said how on earth did America allow themselves to be so dependent on Taiwan? Well, now no one will write that story because we're going to make this stuff in America. So it's a great thing.
4: It really is incredible. Uh, I know some people snickered about the idea that could be defense, but you and I both know that 90% of the chips that really matter, uh, our for our country's defense are made in Taiwan, where uh, you could argue that we don't have any control over the country of Taiwan uh, by our own admission. And yet it, it, if it went down, then our army and navy and our air force would all be finished. It wouldn't they would not be able to have
6: any replacement parts. Absolutely. I actually think a real turning point in this was a couple of weeks ago when um, Avril Haines, the head of national intelligence and the deputy uh, defense secretary, Kath Hicks, and I did a secure briefing for members of the House and the Senate. And we provided them with a lot of classified information relative to what you just said, like the national security threat. And I have to tell you, uh, those Briefings lasted hours. They were well attended um, by Republicans and Democrats. And people came out of those meetings with religion. You know, they had their holy Moses moment. We have to get this done for national security. That was a real turning point.
4: Well, Madam am for you. And I knew from the beginning that we had to do this, but you had 250 meetings with businesses and outside groups, roughly 300 meetings or calls with lawmakers. There was no way you were going to be stopped.
6: Yeah. To be honest, I think a lot of those lawmakers voted yes so they could stop taking my phone calls. But that's fine.
4: (laughs) Now, I also know that there's a lot more to the bill. I mean, there's some incredible things that are being done for science. Uh, Maybe have us catch up to others uh, or go ahead of them. And also a lot that is going to allow you to be uh, have centers of technology excellence. What will those look like?
6: Yeah, it's an incredible opportunity. You and I talk all the time about the chips and the fabs, which is huge. But there are billions of dollars in here for basic research in the field of semiconductors and materials. And then there will be these hubs, uh, technology hubs, which will be really public-private partnerships between companies, the government, universities, Mm-hmm. To advance research and development in particular areas. And that to me is almost more exciting. You know, we have to get back into the business of out innovating China, right? It's not just, you know, protecting ourselves from China defensively, but how about running some offense, running faster? So you could imagine this, you know, collaborations between great US research institutions, universities, some of these companies federal government funding to really move forward with design of chips or uh, new substrates, new chemicals, new R&D. That's really exciting to me to work on that piece of it.
4: Well, I'm thinking this is a Sputnik moment for our country. And you recognized you called out John F. Kennedy called it out when when the Russians were ahead of us in the space race. You called it out when the Chinese are ahead of us in technology race. This will be a defining moment for our country if everything goes right. Because I can't think of how anyone can keep pace with the United States with this
6: commitment. Exactly. This is a Sputnik moment. There is no doubt in my mind. Uh, Look, semiconductors and the technology and supply chain of semiconductors underpin everything, underpin artificial intelligence, quantum computing, cloud computing. And so we have to lead. The United States has to dominate in this area, and we will. Um, because of this. And if we execute correctly, which we will. So it's it's hard to overestimate this. By the way, we're going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs in the process. You know, so many high paying manufacturing jobs all over America, which is uh, which is fantastic.
4: Well, I just I can't say enough great about this. I did in the darkest moments, Madam Secretary, fear that we would fail And if we did, there could be an emergency. I think the German situation is right where they just the Chinese take over Taiwan. And then I don't know what people would say other than the fact I guess they won.
6: Yeah. Failure was not an option. I didn't know how long it would take, but failure was not an option. And by the way, this was a huge bipartisan vote. Uh, You you saw in the House, every single Democrat voted for it in the House, plus dozens of Republicans in the Senate, 64 votes, you know, huge bipartisan vote. That tells you something. To me, honestly, it makes me have great faith in America and our politics, which is to say when it really matters, we can come together, get big things done, and do it on a bipartisan basis. Well, well, it takes perseverance. It takes leadership. And it takes someone like you,
4: Gene Raimondo, U.S. Secretary of Commerce, to get it done. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Mad Money to be back after the break.
2: Coming up, plowing for profits. Kramer seeks that agricultural edge with some heavy machinery. Next.
4: this year, we had a fabulous bull market, all things agriculture, fueled in part by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the breadbasket of Europe. That was initially very good news for Agco. it's the big farm equipment maker we like so much. But then they had some supply chain issues, not to mention an insanely unfavorable exchange rate with Europe, where they get the bulk of their sales. In May, Agco got hit with a cyber attack, shut down production for two weeks. More importantly, over the last couple of months, crop prices have pulled back dramatically from the highs, although you wouldn't know it from the supermarket. Yeah, when Agco reported last Thursday, they turned in a much better than expected quarter. Somebody hit the stock flying five percent on Friday. So is this the first step for a larger comeback, or do we need to worry? We need to worry that it's the last good quarter? So let's take a closer look with Eric Anciono, and Eric is the CEO of Agco, also the chairman, to find out more about the quarter and where he's coming. Mr. Anciono, welcome back to Mad Money.
7: Hey, always to be, always great to be on Mad Money with you, Jim. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Okay, so Eric, I'm, conf- I have to just throw my hands up and be confused. The world does not have enough food. I read it every single day. Uh, I, I would think that this is the greatest time to be in the business you're in. And yet people tell me, look out. There's a, there's a, if it weren't for pricing, uh, unit sales were down. And so explain it to me, will you? I'm just, I'm just confused.
7: Well, if we simplify it down, it's really all about supply and demand. There's just not enough grain in the world and there won't be for the rest of this year and probably even into next year. We have to have a tremendous harvest this year and next year just to close that gap on the grain gap. So that's the demand side and the marketplace, the industry just hasn't been able to supply enough product to the farmers. We've got the biggest order bank in the history of the company. Our order bank is up 30% this year uh, compared to this time last year in Europe and 20% up from uh, last year in, in the U.S. So lots of demand, just can't build it all right now. And uh, that's really the big story.
4: All right, let's drill down on that. Uh, Is this once again, the supply chain? Is it semiconductors? Is it steel? Is it glass? Explain this to us, because everyone's sick and tired of hearing it's the supply chain. No one understands what that means unless you're very much a tool and die person.
7: Right. Well, in general, it's largely the same story we've been dealing with for the last couple of years where COVID set the shock in place, this massive rebound of demand globally for everything uh, in terms of consumer demand. And so suppliers just couldn't keep up and they weren't able to produce as much as they'd like because of COVID shutdowns everywhere. We see some relief happening now in the second half of this year the key commodity that's still a challenge is semiconductor chips, and we put lots of technology in all of our products. There's semiconductor chips in essentially everything that we build, and so that's probably our, our biggest challenge remaining. But overall, the situation is getting a little better.
4: Okay, now all of your precision stuff, which has the high margins and obviously loved by farmers, as well as fence stuff, must be chock full with semis, or else you would just be able to churn out the money.
7: That's absolutely right. And demand is the highest for that type of product right now. And that goes back to that supply demand situation. Farmers have never been under more pressure to produce more, and yet their input costs are up. So they want to do it with less inputs, not to mention the sustainability force. So farmers are getting squeezed. The only way to solve that equation is precision ag and technology. We expect our precision ag business to be up 30% this year. We expect our premium brand that carries the most technology, our Fent brand, uh, it's doubled in the last two years. We expect it. uh, And that's in North and South America, where we're really growing, taking it to uh, globally. We expect it to double again in the next five years. So those two businesses are growing strongly. All right. So, Eric,
4: I know that you're an ag ag equipment guy, but why haven't prices at the supermarket come down if grain prices have come down so much?
7: Well, the the value of what you buy in the grocery store, a very small portion of that is really like the, the value of the green. Right. Right. A lot of it is the logistics and, and all of the other elements of getting it from the farmer through the processor to the uh, grocery store. And with high energy prices, a lot of that uh, cost inflation is still stuck in the channel. Wow. Okay. As energy prices come down over time, then then we'll start seeing it in the well, grocery then we need,
4: stores. We have chemical come down. We have glass come down. We have steel come down. We have shipping come down. And then we might have the right price structure. Now, you did have this weird cyber attack. Did you have to pay in order to get the line started up again? And did you use Bitcoin?
7: <laughs> we were asked to pay. It was a ransomware attack. We did not pay. You we decided pay. that uh, instantly. We did not pay one dime, and we we have all these technology people in our company, lots of IT folks. We were going to work our way out of the situation, and server by server, system by system, we brought it back online. Now we got some help from outside experts, but uh, collectively we brought ourselves back online. Didn't pay one dime of, of ransomware now because it was and, bo- uh, and
4: uh, get a you know a Palo Alto in there to be sure this doesn't happen again.
7: Well, we called Palo Alto the very first minute uh, of that morning. They were a great partner. That was one of the ones I I mentioned as as an outside partner. And they were excellent to help us get this recovered in a relatively uh, rapid time. They said "Say Extremely rapid time. They wanted me to let you know
4: that you are terrific. Now, (laughs) absolutely. Now, I need to know, what do you think happens with Ukraine? We know that a ship with 26,000 tons, although I'm not sure exactly how much it is, uh, came out of grain. Um, What kind of harvest are they going to have? And can you do sales there? Are you allowed to sell there?
7: Yeah. In Ukraine, we're still selling. We're still selling service parts and machines. We're still supporting. Yes, absolutely. In Ukraine, we're we're biasing toward Ukraine, trying to do everything we can, giving it the extra effort to make sure we're supporting that market because it's under such stress. Uh, Russia's a different story. But in Ukraine, we're doing everything we can. The predictions are still volatile, but. The expectation is that the harvest will be something like half of what it would have been if it wasn't for the war effort. Uh, They they got some planting done and so on. So now the problem is, is that most of the grain storage is full from last year. They weren't able to export anything, hardly anything over the last year. That one ship that came out, if you do the math, you need about a thousand of those ships to get out. To uh, be able to get the grain out of there that was from last year's harvest, not to mention the grain that's coming in from this year's harvest. Well, I know. So it's a big I, effort. I know you said 13% of the calories.
4: I was sure hoping for better numbers. South America, though, seems to be incredibly strong. Now, are those, are their soy going right to China? What's happening in South America that it's so good?
7: Well, South America is, you know, the whole industry is built for export. So they right. continue to bring more land on, they're adding more and more uh, land into two or three crops a year. So right behind the combine that's harvesting the crop, they're gonna plant the crop. We took our whole board down there this summer, uh, a few weeks ago, to be able to experience farming in Brazil. So they are full throttle trying to increase their productivity and efficiency to be able to supply China and the other parts of the world because grain is essentially fungible. Uh, wherever there's demand, they're, they're trying to be an export power. You are the man when it comes to the most complicated
4: area of our, of our world. Because food is, it, food is the biggest shortage, and is doing the most to try to stop the shortage. I want to thank you so much, Eric, for coming on Mad Money, okay? Thanks so much, Jim. Okay. That's Eric Hansodia. He's Agco's chairman CEO. I hope you listen to what he said, because what he's telling you is that it's not the grain it's not what's inside the box. It's the box itself. May have buddy spec to the break.
2: Coming up, can this rental car company help your portfolio drift into the fast lane? Kramer Ride Shotgun, next.
4: Uh, what the heck do we do with this stock of Hertz Global? The big rental car outfit with the stock has been clobbered for the past time months. Everybody decided the rental car business is a COVID winner and the future is much darker than the past. Last Thursday, Hertz made the bears look like morons when it reported another excellent quarter. That comes on the heels of a $2 billion buyback authorization the month before, enough to retire more than a quarter of the share count. Stock jumped 15% correctly last Thursday. tackling another 6% on Friday because it was trading like we're heading for a deep recession. And the reality might not be nearly that bad the rally might be good so is this thing truly bottomed uh, or do we need to stay cautious let's check in with Stephen Sherry he's the former CFO of Goldman Sachs the new CEO of Hertz Global get a better read on the situation Mr. Sherry welcome back to Mad Money
3: hey Jim how are you
4: well I gotta tell you I'm blown away by what you're doing I have to ask this first I've known you a long time first question was Hertz always a bad company and you came in and you made it great? Because you know this thing was never anything that we wanted to invest in. This is now a totally investable yeah, I- thing. What happened here?
3: Well, I think Hertz has been, uh, you know, a company of uh, real talent, uh, not particularly managed the way it should have been. But we've got people in the field who have been in the field for 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, and so there's real skill that sits in this business. It just needed to be managed and thought about, as a risk business, uh, and equally between buying and selling cars, we've got a real uh, customer service proposition to offer to our customers. And so I think the time is now for us.
4: Uh, I'm th- So then you started with the idea of the buy and sell, because in your conference call, you basically say, look, at, you didn't say it's like Goldman, but you basically said these are securities. And it's an easy, m- it's an easy market without a lot of friction. Can you explain that to me? Well, because that was a brilliant analysis of this company.
3: Sure. You know, you and I have talked about this. At its core, this is a risk business. Uh, The commodity is the car. And we buy and sell them. Obviously, in between, we have a very big business that we need to focus on and think about the customer and how we want to serve them. But at its core, it's a risk business. And so we need to manage it that way. We need to think about whether the fleet is genuinely inside where demand curves are. And my view on this is that We have a free option, if you will, in this industry and for this company. We can think about where demand is. The new car market that the automotive manufacturers provide us will serve as the baseline. We want a young fleet to serve our customers. But that marginal demand, Jim, can really be served in a used car market that is deep. If the new car market is 12, 14 million cars a year, the used car market is 80 million cars a year. In my view, it's a deep liquid market. We can buy in it, we can sell in it, again, for the marginal demand uh, that's there. And that's the way we ought to run this business, now, you know, thinking about the fleet in a risk proposition.
4: You also have been recognizing that a lot of your clients, your corporate clients, are demanding cars that do not use gasoline. They are about, like, if you're dealing with a the Microsoft, they're all about saying, listen, you're our scope, too. You've got to protect us. You Could you buy every Tesla that, that Tesla makes
3: well, I don't know that we could buy all of them, but I will tell you that those that we have are really being put to sort of superb use. I mean, what's happening with the electric vehicle, and and this is a first mover edge for us, is that we're deploying them through three customer channels. Obviously, the leisure customer is looking to get it. And by the way, no better way to test an electric vehicle than to rent one from Hertz. The corporate market, as you've been talking about, they have their own objectives. They have a carbon footprint objective themselves, and they wanna put their, their, their employees into electric vehicles to fulfill that obligation. And then obviously we're very big uh, with ride sharing and we're putting electric vehicles in the hands of Uber drivers and otherwise. In fact, 15,000 Uber drivers have used an electric vehicle. And since we started with electric vehicles, we've, put, we've, we've engaged in about 160,000 transactions. So this is a big move for us, and it's feeding demand in leisure, in ride-sharing, and as you say, in the corporate space.
4: Now, you have been uh, incredible at trying to figure out the actual capital structure. You bought back a huge amount of stock when nobody believed. You're still buying back stock in anticipation of what I think could be a boom in corporate, because corporate hasn't even kicked in yet. So are you just going to stand there and buy until people realize that your stocks aren't cheap?
3: no i think the capital structure that suits us is first we've got to think about the investment we're making both in the fleet we've been talking about that and non-fleet capex so technology that we need to invest in to improve our customer proposition when we're through with those two fleet and non-fleet capex we think about how do we return capital back to shareholders the buyback has been a very effective tool to do it at prices near or where we're where we are Every $500 million is five, six, seven percent accretive to EPS. And so in the market in which we've been operating, in the success that we've had, in the cash that's been generated in the business, we've been able to accomplish all of that. Invest in the business, both fleet and non-fleet, and equally buy back shares on an accretive proposition to our shareholders.
4: Now, I have talked to you in heated moments, after quarters, after a conference call, after uh, I thought it wasn't good, you thought it was good. I've never seen you see, seem happier. I mean, is this it for you? Is this like the right move, a CEO of a company that people didn't believe in? Because this is not the Steve that a lot of people recognize.
3: (laughs) Well, I spent 30 years or nearly 30 years at Goldman Sachs and enjoyed them. Obviously, the last three is the CFO. This is a super interesting business with an opportunity to really make for a a great uh, company that sits underneath. And Jim, you and I have talked about this, a phenomenal 100-year-old brand that stands for a lot, uh, and our customers should expect it. So I think there's a real opportunity under that brand to build and rebuild a great business. We have great talent, superb cars, and I think the future is a bright one for Hertz in the context of what we can do with technology and building out a big business, so long as we think about it in the context uh, context of it being an asset management business. How do you manage risk? Where do you size your fleet?
4: Well, I'll be candid. I never, ever, in 40 years of investing, wanted to buy a share of Hertz. And then you got there, and you made these changes. All I can say is congratulations. Great job. Good to see you, Steve.
3: Thank you, Jim. Okay. Thank you. Great to see you.
4: That's Stephen Schur, CEO of Hertz, HTZ. This guy is a winner, okay? Take a look at that stock. He has made this company work. Man Money's back after the break.
2: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next.
4: It is time for the lightning round. That's right, Raph. What we're going to do is hit. And then the lightning rounds. Are you ready? Let's keep that time The lightning round. Let's start with Patricia in Illinois. Patricia.
6: Hi, Jim. Just wanted to say you're a great guy and you give great oh, thank advice. You.
4: Thank you. Know Hope you to see you Thursday at the Investing
6: Club. What's going on? Oh, you will, you will. Wanted to see what you thought of DuPont de Muir's symbol DD. I will know
4: in less than 24 hours. Their report tomorrow morning at six o'clock. Let's find out then. How about Joe in Florida? Joe. Jim, speak to me. Joe. Booyah, baby.
7: Booya.
5: First,
7: First time. My question. Charles River Laboratories. Is I, I don't buy, understand. The stock, goes, the
5: stock
4: has just been an yeah. endless downfall. I'm calling oh, the bottom Charles River Labs. Let's go to Kelly in Florida. Kelly. Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Kramer, for taking my call from beautiful Barrow Beach. My stock is Big lots. This buy. No, I don't like many retailers at all. As a matter of fact, on my uh, morning meeting, I said, "Just let's buy Costco. Don't need anything but Costco. Enough. Nothing but Costco. Okay, how about another? Let's go to Neon in California. Neil. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my inquiry. I wanted to ask of you about what digital WDC ticker. It, it seems very cheap, but then again, uh, a lot of their business comes from, from Flash, and Flash will not be that strong, so I'm gonna have to say avoid it until we see what they say this at the end <laughs> of the week. Let's go to Harriet in Florida. Harriet.
6: Hey there, Jim. How are you tonight? I'm good, Harriet. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Hey, Jim, um, shares of my shares of Boise Cascade are finally turning around, but I'm wondering what your thoughts are long-term of the stock.
4: Very inexpensive stock. I like the wood products business, but I will tell you this. The estimates are too high. The estimates are too high, so do not buy it ahead. Well, let's just say, you know, look, I got to do some more work on it because they reported, and I just think it beat. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
4: In this tricky market, my main advice is very simple. Stay the course. Why? Because historically, staying the course is the right call, as long as there's nothing cataclysmic going on. And even then, you'll probably do fine over the long term. Isn't that the great lesson of 2008? It took a few years, but the market bounced back, and anyone who gave up on the whole asset class felt like a fool. Right now, the bulls and the bears keep fighting. They're fighting over whether we are in a recession or not. I think that alone is a good reason to stay long stocks, because if people can't agree that the economy is falling apart, then it can't be, right? I mean, as long as there's one side disagree with the other. We just have pockets of weakness and we already expect those pockets to widen, not shrink, which means the negatives are baked in. But even if we have a harsh recession, it's not going to be a financial apocalypse like we had in 2008. So you need to stay in. What makes me so confident? Because we're now seeing bounce backs of impressive proportions for the ages that I can't even recall. Exhibit A is Walmart. Now, you know, I'm no fan of Walmart after the last two misses. I, I, to the point, we, you know, we sold our remaining position for the Chapel Trust this very morning. As we said in our Investing Club bulletin, we're concerned about a more lackluster economy and an overstretched consumer who can't seem to afford food and hard goods and soft goods at the same time. Something Walmart didn't see coming for two quarters in a row. But man, after dropping that bomb last week about apparel and seeing its stock implode, Walmart shares have now erased all of their losses. So why not get out of it? Exhibit B is Chevron. This is one I like very much, even as the price of crude got clobbered again today. Chevron stock had collapsed going into earnings, and then it soared in the wake of a good quarter, jumping from 150 to 163 for today's pullback. 13 points. This is one of the largest companies on earth. 13 points? It's like a tender offer. Again, if we're still in a bear market, those positive numbers would mean nothing. But they clearly meant a great deal. See, in a bear market, you ignore all the positives. These bounce backs tell me two things. One, this is a forgiving market. That's the bull side of the coin. And two, the bear side. If nothing's actually gotten better, which is the case with Walmart, you should take advantage of this strength and do some selling for companies that you don't really like that that let you actually sell, 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 sell at a higher price than you deserve. I'll give you an example. We were buying Procter & Gamble for the trust on Friday after huge pacing because I believe in this story. I think Procter can recover since it's putting through price increases that sound like they'll stick right at the moment when raw costs have already peaked. Great news for the margins. Procter's quarter wasn't nearly as bad as it looked, and I bet they succeed in taking back market share. Sure enough, what happens? The stock jumps 3% today on nothing. That's forgiveness. What's the significance of all this? Stocks telegraph all sorts of things, but you need to be able to read the markets Morse code. Right now, the market's saying, sure, there might be a slowdown. But it won't be a deep one because you don't get stocks rebounding like this after they've been slammed when we're looking at a severe recession. In that scenario, stocks tend to stay down and roll over or even play dead, which brings me full circle to the month we just finished. It was the best month since November of 2020. 9% gain for the S&P 500. It produced a surprising amount of better than expected quarters. Yet it's getting no respect. Of course, the media and the old dialogue is controlled by the bears. We know that. It's their nature. The traders... They're all negative, too. It's their nature. They're doubling down on their negativity right now. Now, that would have been a great move last November when the market was near its highs. But down here, I don't think so. I think it's time for the bears to declare victory and go positive. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just right here. Button. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.